Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Going off track. Coming to you live from Rubber Track Studios in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, comma, New York, comma, USA, comma, Earth. Steven normally doesn't drink coffee. It's true. <laughs> and he did today. It's really true. Thanks to the amazing Stumptown Coffee at Converse Rubber Tracks. It was really delicious, actually. It's really good. I'm not a coffee person. Maybe I should start Stumptown. I don't know. Good. I don't know if you should start. <laughs> what's, what's more addictive than nicotine? Caffeine? Sure. Load it in there. Uh, today's guest is a uh, young gentleman named Sam Levine, comedian, actor, awesome dude. Also, Vanessa Bayer. Oh, yeah, Vanessa Bayer, the, the unofficial <laughs> permanent guest host for Going Off Track. Yeah, Stop by I told, again. I told Van- me and Vanessa, I've seen huge Freaks and Geeks fans, Stephen Book Sam, and I was like, hey, Sam's coming on. Do you want to come on? And she was like, yes. Oh, it's glorious. So, yeah. Just, glorious. And uh, you can hear uh, rustling in the background. That would be Brad during the interview, checking everyone's mics and then bolting home because it was holiday break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Santa sorry, Claus. Sorry you missed Sam. But I had it to be was, Santa. Yeah. Well, it's important. It is weird being Santa now. It didn't occur to me that I'm mm. Santa now. Wow. They don't know. They just want <laughs> gifts. And then they're confused as a tree in the house. <laughs> That was the weirdest experience watching my kids go, oh, wow, wow. You know, I was annoyed by everyone's throwing out their trees now in my neighborhood. Oh, and like yeah. one, like they just like fall onto the sidewalk and block it. And then like I was like picking it up for someone in a stroller. I was like, I don't celebrate. I don't want to have to lift these trees around. Like dispose of a prop. Don't just like stack it up haphazardly in the sidewalk where everyone has to walk. I, have, I haven't seen it Throw in me. a while, but I remember when I lived in the East Village that you would always come across a burning one. <laughs> at some point usually like you know good i prefer that that makes more sense get, burn it up get it out of my way <laughs> but Perfect. i don't know if it was intentional or just somebody going by with a cigarette you know the bad old days the 90s I wanna, east village i want to hope that it was intentional uh sam levine was intentionally awesome and hilarious and talks quite vividly about freaks and geeks and it was super cool and uh man he's funny and can juggle yes he can do it all it's going on oh my god 
what if we just erase this whole thing after we do? Uh, <laughs> you joke. I did a podcast like that. Really? No we, 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 we recorded, sat in like this for 45 minutes before the guy realized he hit the wrong button and they weren't actually recording. Oh, man. And there were a bunch. It was like five of us. Oh, God. And then they were like, well, we have to do it over. We have no choice. Like we, they, they work for some companies. Like we have to deliver a podcast tomorrow, and so uh, we sat there. And they, these, the, the group I was with, they like tried doing everything again and like trying to make the same off the cuff jokes. But uh, I decided to use it as an exercise in comedy, and I did not make a single repeat joke. Good for wow. you. Thank you Whoa. Good for you. It was definitely not as funny the second time. <laughs> <laughs> not as funny. Definitely, my A material was gone. Uh, but I have, couldn't do it. Well, today's guest is Mr. Sam Levine. Oh. And uh, we're very, very excited to have you here. This Thank was a you. wonderful thing. I was working the um, uh, the New York Comic Con for MTV Geek and met a, a lovely publicist who Thank you. offered you up to us. Mm. As a sacrifice of some kind? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. She was like, I know this kid, and if you need to exercise some demons, he'll... You can just slit his throat and hang him by his feet. I would like to point out, we are here on what many are considering the last day on Earth. Oh, that's right. Oh, is that right? Yeah, today today is it. This is the last day on the Mayan calendar. So come midnight, I don't know if it's Eastern or Pacific or sometime over Europe, but... uh, It's always good to trust, uh, you know, to to trust that there's going to be an apocalypse from a group of people that already had one. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. They know that things don't repeat. Yeah. God. Ridiculous. Well, uh, this wonderful publicist uh, said, uh, you've got to have Sam on. I went, yeah, we do. He's awesome. Oh, We're fans. Get him in here. And uh, you are here in, in the city of New York. I am. What are you working on presently? I see I see your face on my television screen for NBC for a show called Do No Harm. That is correct. Oh. Uh, it's, a, it's a great new medical drama uh, with an edgy Jekyll and Hyde twist. Got it. Uh, the lead character, played by Stephen Pasquale, is a brilliant neurosurgeon by day and a violent, angry man by night. Like you do. Like you did, exactly, which I think most brilliant neurosurgeons are anyway, but he's really got it to the nth. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's an amazing show. It's really engrossing and engaging. And like, I can't believe some of the stuff we're shooting is going to air on NBC. Really? Yeah. It's, I, I, th- I feel like it's a cable show. Like, oh, wow. honestly, some of the stuff we've done. It's good that I think people are, you know, uh, networks are taking tips from like, well, these FX people are doing some pretty good stuff. Well, Maybe I, we yeah. Honestly, you know, it's like they're tired of not winning Emmys for what otherwise would be great yeah. shows. And NBC's doing great right now. We have two NBC people here in the studio right now. Yeah. Weird. Wow. Weird. Did you get, how was the holiday party? It was so good. Donald Trump got wasted again. Yeah. <laughs> there was so much um... blood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're a big film guy. You do the the Doug Doug loves movies yeah. a lot, right? Uh, as often as he'll let me. Our friend Tony Thaxton from Motion Soundtrack has done a couple. Oh yeah, of I've, 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 I listened to the show too, so I've heard about him. He's he's a very good friend of ours. He's been here. Um, I was told you're a big film guy, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, as someone who myself people say like oh he's got an encyclopedic knowledge i always get very scared when people would say that about me on like music and comics and stuff yeah but do you find that intimidating when people say oh he, he knows everything um no because uh you do no it's not that i do it's that if there's a movie i don't know i'll just go oh i don't know that one but i, I it's on my list to see it what's in what do you have do you gravitate towards a certain genre of films um, I don't say, I wouldn't say towards a certain genre, but there's definitely genres that I do not gravitate towards. Like, what? like I definitely have a limited knowledge of like horror movies. 
Um, right yeah. there with you. Right there like, with you. My, my, my brother loves horror movies. He can tell me all the Jasons, all the Freddies, all the early Wes Craven movies. That That's a very limited area for me. Do you find that there's um, a period in time? Like for me, horror, like I can, for some reason, I can watch like an older horror flick and not get freaked out. Mm -hmm. But around the time like George Romero started, I'm out. Like I can't, I can't handle it. I get got got too real for you. Yeah, way too real. Yeah. Yeah. All that all that 1970s blood that was clearly just house paint. Can't do it. (laughs) That's, you know, Hershey's syrup mixed with Cairo and red dye. Yeah. I knew it. Yeah. Not into it in the slightest. Um. Uh, you're in Vanity Fair right now. I am. That's so exciting. That's I so, am. What it's a cool ridiculous. Yeah. It's, oh my God. The whole issue is magnificent. Yeah. yeah. I read the whole thing cover to cover on the on the flight on the way over here. It's amazing. Yeah. Nichols and May stuff. Oh God. Uh, oh man, it's just it's such a great issue. Oh, right on. Yeah. Uh, when did you find out you were going to be in it? Uh, when they asked me to be in the photo shoot. Okay. I was going to say, what was that photo shoot like? That was kind of crazy because it's, all, it's like the whole yeah. And actually, if you go online, there yeah. are there's a picture on the the bleachers uh, where the, there's the photo in the magazine is like this big shot of a large portion of the cast standing on the bleachers of this high school. But then we did a couple other versions of that where it was virtually everyone involved in the show, really standing up on the bleachers. Wow. And unfortunately, that one didn't make it on or on the magazine, but it is online. Yeah, along with. Several dozen other outtakes. Yeah, um, and it was crazy. It was this uh, weekend in August out in L.A., and wow. I got the heads up like two weeks ahead of time. Like Judd was just had his people send out a thing like, "Hey, we're going to do a Vanity Fair uh, photo shoot. Uh, can you make it?" And everyone, <laughs> everyone says, went. Yeah, everyone went. And somebody asked me like, "How did Judd do that?" I was like, "Because when Judd Apatow asks <laughs> yeah. you to be somewhere, you show up." Yeah. Oh, my God. That was such a cool picture. I mean, it's yeah. really awesome. And it's like, I was impressed by how many people were in it. Like, yeah. that they included, like, you know, a lot of the characters. You mean, like, even, like, guest stars and things. The people yeah. that weren't on every episode, right? Yeah. yeah I like, mean, Jason Schwartzman was in yeah. there. Yeah. And definitely memorable, but he was just in the oh, one episode. Yeah, I yeah. totally forgot about that. How, how many years has it been since Freezing Geeks? Uh, we shot it in 99, 2000, and it went off the air in March of 2000. Right. So we're looking at we're looking at uh, thirteen years just wow. about. That's bonkers. Do you like talking about it, or is it is it like do you, is it kind of like that? There's over. Or how's admittedly, it? a couple years ago, there was like a part. I was like, all right, let's just let's move on. Yeah. Right. Then I was yeah. like, no, nah, hang on, that's stupid because I don't. I always felt like people who have done this one thing that everyone loves. It's like, well, no, it's a part of your life now. Yeah. So embrace it. And I do. I totally embrace it. I'm happy to talk about it. I love it. In fact, I get to see it from time to time now because it's on TV, and I'll just be flipping the channels and come across it and go, ah, haven't seen this in 10 years. Yeah. And watch it. It's like, oh, look at that. It's like talking to somebody from the cast of Firefly, you know. It's one of those stories that just... Firefly. Yeah. Oh, Firefly was a sci-fi series around the same time. Yeah, Nathan Fillion. Ran one episode, and, you know, they stopped it. You know, it was just weird network crap. One it, episode? He, he, he uh, means no, one, one season. season. I'm sorry. That's oh. Right. One, it was I knew one 14 <laughs> week episode. <laughs> well, I interviewed Judd about Freaks and Geeks maybe for Alternative Press maybe like five years ago. And he talked a lot about the time slot changing and oh. the day changing. And he was like, 
whose it was edgy and we did tackle stuff, but he was like, it was hard to watch it because it was before DVR and stuff. So you oh, had yeah. You, it was still appointment television back in those days and in, in, in the late 90s. And, uh, so long ago. and yeah, no, we definitely, I, I've spoken very openly about it. We, we got screwed by yeah. the, the guy in charge of programming who I've previously named. I won't name him now. You could look it up. But, uh, <laughs> But yeah, he he didn't get the show. I don't know. I, don't, I hate to say it. He wasn't like malicious about it. He just didn't get the show. Right. Yeah. That was not his high school experience. He did not connect with it. And since the buck ultimately stopped with him as to how often we were on and where we were on, that's basically what happened. We never really got a, a fair chance. It's so obnoxious. Now, what were you, how did you get to that point of Freaks and Geeks? Where were you before then? Uh, I was living in North Jersey. Uh, auditioning for this and that here uh, in the city mm-hmm. on a, on a nearly daily basis. I had very good representation. At Were you the doing stand up too? I was. Yeah, I was. I was doing stand up and uh, auditioning. And you were uh, pretty young, though, right? Yeah. Like you- I was uh, uncomfortably young to have been doing that kind of stand up. Because stand, yeah. yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was twelve years old when I started doing stand up professionally. Oh my gosh! And uh, it was. I've seen. The, there's video. There's weird sets. Like, I was doing weird stuff. Like, if I saw a 12-year-old kid doing that now, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, there's something wrong with him. Like, he's not going to grow up well-adjusted, <laughs> healthy. No. What got you into stand-up? Who, who, who did you like? Um, actually, I mean, I loved every, I loved Bill Cosby. I loved uh, Richard Pryor. Uh, but ultimately, what pushed me over the edge was Richard Jenny. Uh, the late, great Richard Jenny. Yeah. Uh, in 1993, he had an HBO comedy hour called Platypus Man. Yeah, it was great. Which I thought was just about the funniest thing. He had a TV show called Platypus Man. He sure did on, on yeah. UPN. Mm-hmm. Followed by Pigsty. I'll be here all week. Um, <laughs> uh, I am mean, unaware of Pigsty. It yeah. was on UPN. Was that before The Secret Diaries of Desmond Pfeiffer? That, I believe it was before, but it, and it was also before Shasta McNasty. Oh, dude. I, yeah. I auditioned for that. <laughs> I remember auditioning for that. This and is you, the ultimate nerd off, by the way. You know who got that? Um... Crazy person's kid. Yeah, yeah, Busey. Jake yeah, Busey. yeah, Jake not- Busey got it. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, I remember. And he got it, see? Yeah. Oh, God. It's about a white rap group living in Malibu, I That's think. That's right. I, remember, I might have still have the script floating around somewhere for that. You should sell that, man. I'd, it's got to be worth something oh, now. That's amazing. You should sell it to Sam. What? <laughs> Cheap. Seven dollars. Yeah. Um, oh, that's crazy. Uh, so, and yeah, so then Rich Jenny yes. was, was what... I memorized that that comedy hour, Platypus Man, wow. and I used to do it for like my friends and family. He had another one, Stop with the Kicking, I think. Uh, that n- that's uh, that's actually Kevin Pollock. Oh, that is Kevin. Of. No, yeah. wait, no. Enough with the kicking or stop with yeah. His is was uh, his was. Are you uh, friends with him? I am friends with Kevin. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, uh, Riches were uh, the uh, boy from Brooklyn. Oh my right. God, I'm embarrassed. I can't. Crazy from the Heat uh-huh. and uh, a good Catholic boy. Okay. He was phenomenal. So sad. He, um, oh yeah, he had such a great. I don't know. I just, I just always loved the bit about the fight that mm-hmm. he did. I never forgot that one where he's, he's a guy challenges him to a fight in the south, and the guy says like, "You must think I'm some country asshole." And he's like, "You know, I've been drinking." The comedy ca- catches in. No man, you'd be an asshole anywhere. It's like he hits me, I fall down. It's like I'm not used to that from New York. You have a little setup and all that. Am I doing this right, Richard? <laughs> yes, Jenny? you are. Okay, yes, you are. you're doing it justice. Yeah, he, I really enjoyed him. <laughs> yeah, no, he was he was fabulous. Yeah. So am, what were you doing bits about when you were 12? Yeah. Like, like current events or like... Um, no, I joked, you know, I mean, I, I joked about my parents, you know, things that happened in school. 
Um, <laughs> one of my jokes that I people were like, so what did you tell when you were 12? Come on, come on. And I was like, um, all right. One of the jokes that I used to tell was that, uh, you know, it's hard for me to, to find time to write all my jokes, you know, because uh, I'm in school most of the time. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting there trying to write good jokes for you guys. And, you know, my teacher's going on and on about Columbus or whatever. And then she's all saying, you're not paying attention. What are you doing there? And I'm like, hey, teach, look. I'm trying to write some gold over here. Gold. And you're bothering me with Columbus? That's never going to come up in real life. So it turns out detention is a much better place to write my material. <laughs> there you go. That's a 12-year-old That's a great sandwich. Totally good job. Thank Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> and then when you – so you audition and you would do uh, oh gigs. Would you always do stand-up wherever you were shooting and doing things? Uh, no. I, I, I continued to do stand-up after I moved to L.A. when I was 17. I did it for a few more years, and then I—it's not that I my I lost my love for it or anything. It was just it became doing stand up in New York versus doing stand up in L.A. It at the time in the in the late nineties, it was night and day. Like New York, you could get a spot at any club where they knew you, uh, you know, if they liked you. In New York, in L.A., it's like you got to go through your agent. You you have a th- oh. thing, and you got to know someone who knows someone, and and at any point, you know. Uh, uh, I don't want to pick a. Uh, let's see, who who should, I'm trying to pick a name of someone who I know for a fact has bumped people off of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to name names, but a super famous person could walk into the room and be like, "Yeah, I want to do ten minutes," uh, okay. and then whoever's up there is getting pulled down, and then you know a huge movie star is going to go up and says ten minutes, but he stays up for an hour, and then it's like six comics lose their spot that night, right. and like that happened all the time. And I just kind of got like, eh, well, I started doing stand-up when I was a teenager because I thought it would be a good way to get myself out there and maybe get myself further as an actor. And now I'm working as an actor, so maybe I don't need to focus on it as much. And so then I just sort of stopped doing it for a long time. And uh, and only recently did I kind of get back into it oh. just because uh, – I had more time on my hands and I had funny things that I was writing down that I had no real venue to express other than Twitter. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I was like, why am I doing this on Twitter for free? <laughs> I often wonder that about comedians when they tweet some joke. I'm like, is that is that a throwaway they don't want to say live or how does that work? Sometimes they do it to test the waters. Ah. How mm. many likes does it get or whatever? I'm not on mm. Twitter. Not on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> likes is Facebook, retweets is Twitter, Vanessa. <laughs> But I was going to say, like, it does seem like, and maybe you were like this at some point, but I I started doing stand-up a little bit in college, but I more did it in Chicago. And mm-hmm. it seemed like certain people, like, had to do it multiple times every night. And, like, still, like, I still know some of those people, and they still will do it, like, every night and everything. Yeah. And I personally, I was, a, I like, I thought it would be, like, a good, I, I still like doing it, and I, I, I like how it, like, affects, like, acting and, and stuff like that. But I don't have that, like, I just, to me, I, I just don't have that. Thing of like I feel like I always have to do it and like I I don't know There's, yeah I, no I know just, exactly I know exactly what you mean the mentality Richard Jenny was exactly like yeah. that he was always writing always had to get up and try out new stuff see yeah. how it was gonna fly and I do not have that yeah yeah it's so fun to do it but then like it, parts of it are just like so yeah. exhausting and the worst like, thing that can happen to you is to become that successful yeah because the and I love this comparison you look at a comedian who will sell out a theater and a band who will sell out a theater. And when a band comes and the people fill the room, what do they want to see the band do? What they know. Play all the songs they know. When a comedian shows up, what do they want to hear? 
all new material every time. Except a couple people who really like hearing yeah. stuff from the CD. From the old albums. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. That, weird. that was the last time I did this podcast. We brought that up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jonah yeah, said it's that. Very interesting. I've heard, some, I've heard other people exactly. say that. Yeah. But, yeah, but it's totally true. It's, it's very accurate. It's like you the, know how you get past both those things? Mm-hmm. You'd be a musical comedian. I, I, you know, like Steve, Victor Borga? Exactly like now Victor that, Borga. That is for your fans of over age 60. Well, you have to be. <laughs> well, it's for our Danish fans as well. I, you know. I, opened, I opened for a guy who did that at Zanies in Chicago, and his name was... Stephen Lynch. No, what was his name? Because <laughs> he kept being like, don't get my name wrong, and then I got it wrong because I got so nervous. <laughs> I'll think of it by the end of the podcast. Uh, Steve, well, there's a oh, comedian. Stu Grip... Stu Grip... Stu Grappares. I'm sure that you did not mess up his name. I just, he made me so nervous. He was very nice. But he made me so nervous that, that, like, I thought I was going to, and then I did. I messed up his name. I, like, blanked on it. Dude, I I find. I was hosting. I've played in bands and I've hosted shows and introduced bands which is the worst job ever mm. up next because who cares about the who are you ready to rock guy it's the dumbest thing <laughs> um i think stand-up is just the most petrifying like, i get a pit in my stomach when i hear people talking about it because i find it so petrifying and i was such a fan like in the 80s watching every hbl comedy special oh yeah on, everybody and I, I think i watched robin williams live at the met until i had it memorized mm-hmm. and it's so good but that to go up by yourself at least with your band you're like at least we're all in this together. But by yourself, things you've written to put that out there, I just I think it's the hardest job, and it's just admirable. Oh no, I I mean, yes, but here what you have to think about is by the time you're seeing someone do a comedy special on TV, that material has been said out loud yeah. two hundred times right. in front of varying crowds, and he's tweaked it here and there. And I mean, it's gotten to a point where he knows it's going to kill. Right, it's the tweaking—that's what gets me. It's like how many times do you say a joke, and then you're like. I change it from a the to an adverb. Like, it's, yeah, I, and you can st- in New York still comics do this. You'll get three gigs in a night, and you'll tell the same joke slightly differently, and bring your little recorder, and then figure out which one got the best laugh, and then go up the next night and do it that same way at all the next three shows. And if it gets the same laugh, you know that's the way to do it's it. Like you're constantly demoing until you're ready to yeah. just hit the road. But I, what I always do is like I always think stuff's funny that no one else laughs at, and then when everyone laughs, I'm like, eh. so I feel like. <laughs> It's that must be weird too to like your feet using the audience as like a gauge, but also mm-hmm. everyone has different tastes. Yeah. How does yeah. Zach Galifianakis tweak? <laughs> I have no idea. So we would see him live and be like, "Oh, it's great!" What you don't get this? Well, that's also how you and I are with every band. That is true. Why is there no one here? This band's um, amazing. Mm. I just saw you in something I forgot you were in like three days ago. Oh, which was that's so Raven. Thank you very much. <laughs> you were incredible. Were you in? Thank you. I was. Were you really? I, I didn't was know just that. one episode. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. Did I get you tickets to Sister Act? My, uh, <laughs> no, that hadn't happened yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> you were in two yet. episodes of this show. Are you Undeclared? Do? Yes. Okay. Oh, I was going to bring that up. You're so funny in that show. Oh, thank you. I had never seen it. Everyone kept being like, you have to see Undeclared. And I had never seen it's it. It's a really good show, I just show, watched yeah. the whole series like two weeks ago. I yeah. watched it in like three days. It's great. Oh, cool. Yeah, that character you was so great. Oh, thank you. It was so dark, sort of. Like, I felt bad for him. Yeah. Like, it was... It really affected me. <laughs> I don't know. That was, that was tremendous fun because that was the first thing I did with with Judd after Freaks and Geeks. How how long after was that? That was that pretty... was 
2001. Okay. And undeclared. Okay. Yeah. So it had been about a year and a half. Okay. Okay. Uh, and uh, and I mean, talk about a, a departure from Neil oh on Freaks gosh. and Geeks. Yeah, that was, and that that's when uh, only, it was a few years after that that I ran into Judd again, and we were talking about all the you know parts that I'd done and undeclared in Freaks and Geeks, and that's when we determined that I really only play one of two characters, either the nerd. Or the mean nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so, Undeclared was definitely the mean nerd. When you tell that dude to switch to decaf, <laughs> every time I cannot control myself. It's so good. Oh, thank you. That was, uh, uh, oh that scene, so the guy was smashing me in the chest, <laughs> and we keep doing these takes after take, and I'm like, I pull him aside. I'm like, dude, you know, you don't have to hit me that hard. It'll read on camera. <laughs> They'll add a sound effect of you smashing me. You don't really have to lay into me. And then he just keeps doing, keeps doing it. And then, I mean, you can actually see on in the show, you can see how red the little bit of skin on on my upper chest is. And then years ago, or years later, I run into the guy, and he's like, "Dude, I always felt so bad about that because I kept smashing you in the chest, and you kept asking me not to." But then Judd would pull me aside and be like, "Really lay into him? I mean, really lay into Levine? I want to get him steamed." And so. <laughs> Did you ever ask Judd about that? I don't know that I've ever mentioned. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, good times. Oh my god! And that and the um, forgive me for not remembering his name. The the British dude in the oh in, Charlie Hunnam. He's going to be in Pacific Rim. Oh yeah, the Guillermo del Toro um, kaiju movie. Uh, Hunnam is one of those insane actors where he, from role to role, you can't recognize him. Yeah. He really transforms himself. I realized he was in that movie Children of Men like two years after the fact. Really? Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Check that out. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that movie, but I have to like go back and see that's him. Yeah. I'm very psyched for Pacific Rim. That's going to be great. Um, I think you're probably right. God. Del Toro. Uh, speaking of uh, great directors and fabulous movies, you were a bastard most inglorious. I, I was. Yeah. I was a bastard wow. and remain. Yeah, that's so – wow. That's I, uh, How did that come about? Uh, that was that was interesting because uh, I have been a huge fan of Quentin's as long as he's been around. And uh, I had heard through the grapevine that he was a Freaks and Geeks fan. And back in 2003, when he was out promoting Kill Bill, uh, I knew he was going to be on Jimmy Kimmel Live. And I've known Jimmy a while, and I used to go hang out backstage because he has still the best green room in late night. Do you play poker with Jimmy Kimmel? No. Okay, I heard he has a big poker game, and I know you're a poker guy. I am. I've not played in that one. Okay. Um, but, uh, but anyway, I, I weaseled my way into the green room on the night uh, Quentin was on, and uh and I introduced myself, and I, and I was like, "Yeah, hey, I heard your freak geeks." He's like, "Oh yeah, man, I love that show. It's great." Man. And he's crazy high energy. And then he goes and does his segment, and then he comes back, and we just start talking. We're just sitting in his dressing room, and we just start talking and talking and talking. Literally, we're the last two people there. Security comes in, and they were like, "Look, we don't want to kick you out, but we want to go home." And so, after ninety minutes of talking about movies and everything. Uh, he goes to leave and he's like, Hey man, it was really awesome talking to you. Maybe we can work together someday. I was like, yeah, that'd be all right. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and so then I don't see him for five years, uh, until I hear that they're casting Inglorious Bastards and they are specifically looking for young, funny Jewish actors. 
And I'm like, well, come <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> I mean, really? <laughs> and so before I can even call my people to be like, I got to get in on this, they were calling, looking for <sighs> me. And so I went in and had this general meeting with him. That's all he was doing at first was having general meetings with people, wow. not making them read. Just wanted to shoot the shit with them for a few minutes. And so I go in and he totally remembers meeting me and talking to me and everything. And and uh, and we talked again for like 20 minutes and then he gives me this script. He's like, hey, man, read this over the weekend. Come back. I want to have you read for a couple parts. And so I, you know, it was crazy. I went in the next week and read with Quentin. When he auditions you, he acts opposite you. And uh, and so I read uh, first the Udovich part and then the Donowitz part that played by Eli Roth. And when we were doing that part, the scene we read is a scene that they shot, but unfortunately did not make the final cut along with hours of other footage um where uh it's a scene with cloris leachman and and donna i don't want to talk about the scene too much because i know quentin really loved that scene and i think he has plans to maybe release it in some other medium at some point because i think it's kind of an amazing scene but it's it's the the backstory to donowitz and the bat and how he winds up winds up in in you know europe with it that's incredible and it's you're a huge film fan anyway. Yeah. With Quentin Tarantino. Oh, yeah. That's got to be ridiculous. It was outrageous. And he's one of those guys who wants to talk about his work. Mm. Like, you can ask him, oh, well, what was the thing in this movie? What about Pulp Fiction? What about this in Reservoir Dogs? And he'll talk for a half hour about you it. You probably know the films that, like, he's, like, paying tribute to, you know? A little bit. Yeah. yeah, no, and I would always try to figure out what he was, you know, paying homage to, and ask him was like, "Is this a tip of the hat to?" And you go, "Yep, yep, you caught it." Oh god! Yeah, he was great. So sneaky. That's phenomenal. How long did you shoot that film? Um, that movie, God, we started in like I think September, and I think it didn't wrap until January or February of two thousand seven. No, eight. Yeah, we shot. We shot two thousand eight into two thousand nine. I just always go back to that scene with with right before Eli Roth, you know, pulls out the bat and nails the dude. If you guys just all laughing, it's just like just creepy. That creepy, we shot creepy, that scene over the course creepy. of a week. It was a seven day scene. That whole sequence in the ditch. God, yeah, that's bonkers. I mean, of course, you know. And mm. uh, do you think that? Um, well, can't speculate on what the director's going to do, but I just love it when directors release what they think the director's cut, you know? Right. And a lot of people have asked me about that, if there'll ever be like a director's cut of of Bastards. And then I have to tell people the bad news, which is Quentin has final cut on every movie he makes. Okay. So what you see in theaters is the director's cut. Okay. Um, So anything that's not in there... I withdraw the question. No, no, no. no. It's a fair question because I want to know myself. And uh, he's one of the like eight directors who truly has final cut on every film he releases. Wow. So he's a lucky guy. Damn. Yeah. Do you have a preference of television over film? I've it varies. It depends on the project, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, Do you find there's a big difference aside from this has to be done in a month as opposed to six months? Or I, I mean, you can. It depends what kind of work you're doing on, like a TV show. Like if you're doing like a multicam, that's mm-hmm. kind of great because then you can have a life. Yeah. Uh, but if you're doing a single cam drama like the like Do No Harm, like we're shooting in Philly, I mean. I don't where I barely work hard on that show. I'm very lucky. My my work is is fairly limited, but our lead Stephen Pasquale, the guy is literally on set 15, 16 hours every single day. Wow. And they've been shooting a lot of 6-day weeks too. So, he's got he's got nothing going on right now in his life except shooting this show. Yeah. So it can it can be draining. 
you know, when you're doing a, a TV show like that that can go on for years and years and years and you're just stuck on set all day shooting and shooting and shooting. Um, you know, that movies can be fun because there's always an end date in sight. You know, you know that you're going to be finished with it and then you can move on and that's that. How'd you get involved with the uh, Kevin Pollack chat show? Uh, Kevin and I met a long time ago. We met at the Friars Club roast of Rob Reiner wow. in the year 2000. Wow. And, uh, and I'd been a huge fan of his, he's of course. Great. Uh, and he is great. He's fabulous. And, um, and then we uh, talked a, a bit there, but then we really didn't connect, uh, you know, afterward, uh, until some years later, he found me, he, he sought me out and, uh, we had the same manager cause he wanted to, he wanted to shoot a bit with me, uh, which we ultimately didn't shoot. Uh, but I think he told me it was a ruse just to hang out with me anyway, that he wanted to pitch this bit to me. And so I, I had lunch with him and uh, his girlfriend, Jamie, and uh, we all fell in love. And we decided that we we're all going to be best friends for life. Right on. And, uh, and yeah, that was like four years ago, more. Wow. Yeah, that was right before Inglorious Bastards. Because I've listened to Kevin Pollock's chat show. Mm-hmm. And uh, specifically, I started with the Nathan Fillion episode because I love Good it. episode. And you guys just, he was so funny because in the middle, he said, well, when you edit this, and Kevin went, we don't edit this. Mm-hmm. This just goes out. Oh, yeah. And Nathan Fillion was like, what? Oh, that's the magic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not about, it's laziness. Nobody wants to sit there for two hours and go, all right, this can't be in there. This is pretty good. No, we don't want to do that. How often do you record it? uh, Every Sunday, as as often as we can. It gets a little – it's been a little choppy uh, because I've been out of town. And then also anytime around the holidays, it always gets tough to book guests. So we'll probably come back uh, towards the end of January with, you know, a full slate. Wow. And did he say, I'm going to do this podcast. I want you to be on with me. No, no. That would make it sound great uh, for me. No, in reality, he asked me to be a guest on the first episode. And then uh, I had so much fun when he was like, I said, hey, can I come back next week and watch the show? He's like, yeah, of course you can come anytime. So then the next week I went back to watch and then I just wouldn't stop showing up every (laughs) Sunday until finally he was like, I'm just going to have to give you a microphone and a camera because you're saying funny stuff, but I have no way of seeing it. So I insisted on a mic and a camera, and that <laughs> I won't give it up. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so great. How many episodes? Uh, oh, boy. 160-something, I think. Wow. Yeah. I love the whole podcasting world. Well, obviously. Yeah. Because we're here and digging it, and it's just how everything's connected and people doing stuff. And I think right now there's a, a neat boom where the development people are culling podcasts for – television shows which mm-hmm. is like oh that's where they're going now it used to be websites used to be youtube and all things now they're going there it's just fascinating that's not me saying hey give us a tv show because we've done that haven't we jonah we have yeah over it finished was that shasta mcnasty yeah it was shasta mcnasty <laughs> yeah, we did a music show on a channel called fuse for a while mm. it was called steven's untitled rock show yeah. steven was the host jonah was head writer right remember, yeah. how, remember how you got the head writer position we found out someone in, someone from another show was calling themselves head writer, and Jonah yeah. was the only writer. And I'm like, Jonah's a head writer uh, of the thought, rock show. I really thought you were a head writer. No, I started just calling myself head writer. I was yeah. the only writer. I used to tell my friends you were a head writer. I used to tell everyone I was a head writer. <laughs> was. I'm the head writer of my life. So. Yeah. Yeah. He wrote everything, and he would write it like the day we shot. It was, <laughs> we'd talk lazy. We'd have three guests, and we'd be like, what are we doing today? 
crap. And we had, you know, we did three shows, four shows a day. Wow. Ridiculous. Well, it was video rap stuff. So it's like you had a guest for about 12 minutes, but then it was like, here's my chemical romance again. (laughs) And that kind of fun stuff. But it was, this is more, we actually found, and this one thing I like about the Kevin Pollack show is that, uh, whenever we would meet the guests in the green room and start talking, Mm -hmm. it's just way cooler than the interview. Oh yeah. And we try to limit that. Yep. Like we have our guests show up pretty close to when we start shooting so that there's no banter before the show. That's too good to, to not have on the show. That's why we were thrilled. You said, I have to go pee. Cause then we can just start. I'm so glad. And I took a long time in there too. I really wanted to build the anticipation <laughs> of what's going to happen when he gets back. Cause we were like, does Sam have a urinary tract? Mm-hmm. I, I was reading in that vanity fair article. They were saying, Start to go back to this that Martin Starr would like go to the bathroom for like twenty minutes every time, and they and one of the women that was talking about it was like, I couldn't tell if he was like fucking with everyone. Uh, uh, in, in Martin's defense, that was a wardrobe fitting. Oh, <laughs> it was, it was a wardrobe. Wasn't the it bathroom, was in the yeah. bathroom. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, because right. one because one of them is like, ooh, he could probably have a serious drug problem, and the other's like, yeah, it just takes him a while to get dressed. Yeah. <laughs> He's not good at buttoning. You're things. right. You're yeah. right. Uh, okay. Okay. Yes. Uh, Sorry. Go. No, I I, I read the same quotes. Yeah, it was Deborah McGuire, our costume designer. Yes. And yeah, Martin, you don't know with Martin whether he's fucking with you or not. Yeah. 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 When he, so it was wardrobe, funny. not bathroom. Just yeah. to clarify, he's so funny too. Oh my god, the the opening of that show, the way that everyone is caught, like the way that everyone. When you, when everyone's sitting down for their uh-huh. photo or whatever, yeah, it's so funny what they choose to put in there. It's like the best. We shot that our last day of shooting the pilot in like thirty minutes. Like I don't even think they knew what they were gonna do until <laughs> we had the setup there, and they were like, and you can even see it. There's it's literally us walking in a circle. And, like, standing and waiting to get called up next. Because you can see people, like, hanging out in the back left of the screen. Yeah. And, like, until they get... And we recycled through that probably five or six times. All of us just sitting down for a second and then getting up and walking away. And they were like, okay, cut. That's it. We'll we'll figure this out. Right, right, right. And that's right. our intro. Oh, my God. It's so good. The The faces that everyone makes are so not, like, the standard face that yeah. someone would make. I've been watching a lot of 90210 because someone else at my, like... My old friend, school or new school? Old school, old okay. school. I've been watching a lot, like DVRing it, and it is like so opposite. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's that's not a revelation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just kind of wanted you. to get that out there, but it's just so because their intro is like everyone's smiling. Like, oh it yeah. Just, anyway, this is so dumb that I'm talking about this. Cause it's so obvious, dumb. but um, it just I love. Well, my point is that I love how <laughs> not like that it is. Thank you. Also, the photographer in that. Uh, opening, who you see occasionally come in and adjust someone's hair yeah. or whatnot. That's John Daly's father, actor R.F. Daly. Whoa. Yeah. Wow, that is interesting. Yeah. Um, I have a question about Freaks and Geeks while we're doing it. What was yeah. it like for you when you got the script for the Hermaphrodite episode? Or did you... Was that... Because that was so atypical yeah. from anything I've ever seen kind of before or since on TV. I Absolutely. Um, I mean, that I was not at all involved in the storyline. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think it, it struck me as like, oh, this is crazy. But I, I remember reading it and thinking like, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this on TV. I, I wonder how they're going to shoot it and how it's all going to come out. In fact, I think the first version of that script that I read was kind of different than, than what ultimately they shot. I know that script went through a lot of tweaks and 
a lot of the scenes in there were largely improvised. Really? Between Rogan and, and the other actors and stuff, yeah. Wow. How much, imp- how much improvisational freedom were you given on Freaks and Geeks? Too much for that age. <laughs> <laughs> Way too much. Oh, my God. So, the Freaks, especially. So much of that stuff with them was off the page. Wow. Yeah. That's great. I mean, it's cool that it's encouraged. You know, it was heavily encouraged. In fact, that's how they often would write those scenes. They would, Judd would bring Rogan and Siegel into the office into his office and just be like, I want to do a scene where you guys fight about you know, this band. And so then they would just jump into character and start doing a scene. And Judd would just be scribbling down notes and recording or what have you. And then that's how the scenes would often get written. That just amount of trust, you know, from the person mm-hmm. who hired you to bring you in is huge. Huge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's incredible. When, um, was, did you know, or do you know, if mm-hmm. Freaks and Geeks knew that it was going to end? Oh, we all knew. You, you all knew. So, so I mean, you, we all knew. Nobody wanted to say it flat out. But when when you do a, a show uh, like that on a network, they, the initial order is usually for 12 episodes. Mm-hmm. And then everyone talks about getting the back nine, which is an, epi- an order of nine more episodes that your total is 22 for the first yep. season. And... Uh, Everyone was, oh, we're going to get the back nine, we're going to get the back nine. And the network ordered the back one. They ordered one additional episode. We went, not a good sign. I don't think they like us very much. They do not seem to have Wrong faith prime in this. <laughs> so, yeah. So when we shot that, that bonus episode, uh, Paul wrote it and directed it. And that episode is actually Discos and Dragons, the finale. We wow. shot as the 13th episode. Oh, wow. Because he wanted, they wanted closure on the series. Yeah. And so that's why they shot that episode, which sort of, it, it could, they could have fit that episode in virtually anywhere mm-hmm. in the, in the order. And, uh, and then after that, they miraculously somehow ordered, uh, I think four more episodes. And so then those episodes aired before Discos and Dragons in the you know order uh, uh actually they didn't air in that order because nbc pulled us before we could air any, most of those but then the fox family channel put us on the air and aired them in that production or the that episode order not production order and then on the dvd that's how you see them with discos and dragons right. as the last episode i have to wonder i mean i'm a big fan of firefly and read all about that with what happened with that show and very similar where they got they ordered a pilot episode and then they made the pilot and the network said change the pilot do another one they're like wait what and they aired it differently they aired everything out Mm -hmm. of order and it's like everything they did was wrong everything that the creators did was correct and then it developed this huge fan following it's cult-like after the fact Mm -hmm. and people love it and it's almost poetic and awesome that it was finite you know yeah it's like um would freaks and geeks i mean of course it would but like it has so much power and love because it ended and people know that it was wronged. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it, I think it's a testament to how awesome the creators were and how much talent there was to be used. For Thank it, you. you know? Also, I think in the, in, in the aftermath, I think it's easy for people to catch up on that series because it's only 18 episodes. It's like when you, when someone says, Oh, have you seen the wire? You're like, that's a commitment. Yeah, totally. That's five <laughs> seasons. You're so right about it. That's a, that's totally, you know, true. you can, you can do freaks and geeks in a weekend. Yeah. 
and feel wonderful and sad yeah. and thrilled. Yeah. Oh, so the good. Wire, you're just going to want to go sell heroin. I, You know, actually, my <laughs> wife and I did watch The Wire As over a five-day period. Please oh don't give God. any spoilers because I haven't seen it yet. Oh, God. Omar's white. <laughs> um, <laughs> have you always been a movie nut uh yeah my yeah. my family my my parents are big film people really? so like what what films um i mean well look i don't i don't the, the godfather mm-hmm. you know i mean so i can't say any specific films because there weren't like oh we have to watch this every week it was like enjoy films love films learn about films see my dad would always have would always we would always watch the marx brothers or wc fields oh sure marx brothers huge i I, and then i took that on my own my father introduced me to the marx brothers and then i ran with it like i made it my job to find whatever video store i could rent a marx brothers movie Mm -hmm. at because you know this is before the internet before dvd you you've really had to find these movies do you have a favorite Animal Crackers. Oh, good. Wow, right on. You didn't say Duck Soup. That's... No, that's too easy. Yeah, that's first one. Uh, animal Crackers, I love. Yeah. that the, the There are jokes in there where you miss when you're a kid, and uh, and then you go back and you, you're like, wow, I can't believe they slid that one past the censors. Tuscaloosa. In Alabama, the Tuscaloosa. Now, what about, have you ever seen the show California Dreams? Oh, stop. Oh, of course. <laughs> So Are you kidding? Obnoxious. I'm sorry. Do you why ask would, all the guests? Why this? would you do that, Stephen? Do you not? I'm ki- I don't care. You, wait Stephen a minute. On an episode. Yeah. <gasps> we're, this, we're trying to figure out. I Please, that, I was on four. You were on four. <laughs> I didn't know that. I thought you were just on one. Before we started doing this podcast, this had come up maybe once, and now it comes up every week. <laughs> oh, that's fabulous! I'm going to go to the Museum of TV and Radio, yeah. and I'm going to find because those if episodes. If they don't have it, then you have to ask Can for it, and they things? have to take money to find me, and that's cool. Can mm-hmm. you tape things from the? You, I'm sure you can. No, you, you can go to viewing booths. Your iPhone up. We were saying we had. <laughs> yeah, this, you could probably. We had this conversation earlier that I was saying they don't. have have everything there and i know that because right. i tried to watch the last episode of dinosaurs which... they don't have the last episode no, of dinosaurs is you that know not why? on dvd you know why I'm too sure fucking sure sad that's DVD. why okay it's too sad the... but you, you, <laughs> like... do you know about that episode do they become extinct yeah yeah, yeah. It's so sad it's terrible it's so morbid we all knew they were going to become extinct and then become oil but we Did didn't you think about ending it? freaks and geeks with just the world ending when the <laughs> show gets canceled it had been kicked around the writer's room <laughs> Oh my god! Like Oz just blow up the prison. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) That's another show. It's a commitment. Oz, if you sit and watch that one, that is a commitment. Yeah, Yeah. I watched that as it aired, though. Me too. Yeah, that was a that was a hard show. That was a rough show, and I've worked with J.K. Simmons a bunch since then. Really? Yeah, he is so awesome and nice. Yeah, and I felt so bad for him. And now he does all those commercials. Yeah, yeah, the the State Farm. Yeah, but like in Oz, you're just like, or is it Farmers? Farmers. Farmers, yes, yes. Uh, sponsored by Farmers today. Mm. Um, well, my friend Mark Evan Jackson is in those with him. Oh, really? So I, I want to give him credit. All right on. Yeah. Mm. Also, Al Madrigal, who's on The Daily Show, yeah. which I love. So yeah. there you go. Let's credit everybody. Okay. I don't um, want to give anything away. I'm sorry. No, I don't want to give anything away, but when you do Doug Loves Movies, do you yeah. have kind of a strategy? Because so much seems where you're sitting. Oh, do you mean in terms of the Leonard Maltin game? Yes. Uh, no. I, I mean, in terms of the seating, you get what you get. Right. We just did the 12 guests of Christmas last week, and I will say that I wound up sitting in what had to have been the worst seat. Because I think the first three rounds all wound up with me having to either name a movie or force someone to name a movie. And out Malton- of 15 people who are on the stage, it was pretty weird that it wound up on me three times yes that is weird how does the leonard malton game work oh dear 
Okay, got it. I it's know like, it's like name that tune, yeah, but with movies. Okay, and then you, uh, the Leonard Maltin movie guide. You're familiar with yeah, it? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, you start. You if there's say 15 names listed for a movie. Mm-hmm. You start bidding from the 15 down, mm-hmm. saying how many actors' names you can name it in, but the list goes from the bottom up. Uh, so if, you know, I say to you it's a movie from 1989, and there are 11 actors, and it's a, a movie uh, that has, a, I don't know, a, a mem- cast member of Three Amigos in it, mm-hmm. uh, and there are, you know, 11 names, how many can you name it in? Wow, that's hard. And, and so then if you say it. like four names, I'll only read the bottom four. Yeah, so then you'd say you can name it in 11 names. And then, oh, I can do it in 10, 9, 8, 7. And then when it gets to a point where it's like, okay, five names, then the other guy says, okay, name that movie. So you only get five names. And then you can also go into negative names <clears throat> where you have to actually name people. Right. If you feel like you know it without receiving any names, you already know the movie, then you can bid either zero names, just name it, or negative names. And then you have to name the movie and then starting from the top of the list down in order, start naming the actors in the movie. What AFI sadist came up with this? Well, it's a th- – this version of the game – that it is now, it's been tweaked over the years. Okay. It's a game that, it's my understanding, Doug and Sarah Silverman and a couple other comics sort of developed as like a game they could play on the road. Where oh. All you needed was the Leonard Malton movie book. Uh, and you could play that anywhere. And, uh, Man, yeah. That book is ridiculous. It is a ridiculous book. It's insane. It's yeah. like, it's like, what, it's like, how do you eat? All, all you do is watch movies. Yes. What show did he? What show was he the critic on? Was it Entertainment Tonight? Uh, yep. He was yeah. on ET for years. Yeah, because it was Gene Shalit who was on the Today Show, right? Yep. Okay. What's frustrating for me about the show is when there are guests on that have no idea how to play it. Where like it is, half the show is. It is also guests. very frustrating for me <laughs> as a fan to listen to that. And uh, yeah, no, <sighs> it's it's tough. Yeah. Now, um, do no harm is happening. Do no harm is happening. It's going to start airing Thursday nights, ten p.m. starting January thirty first on NBC. Oh, oh, Thursday. The not old, old ER slot. No, very sl- slow night for night. TV. That's so great. Yeah. So you could be following Parks and Rec. Uh I think when we initially start airing, I believe we're going to be following sixteen hundred pen. Oh, that's which right. yeah. I saw the first episode on NBC the uh-huh. other day, and I got to tell you. I was pleasantly surprised. Oh, good! It is it is remarkably funny. Good. I, I mean, I, so I hope people check that out. I and dig us Josh as well. Gad a lot. Yeah, so I think he's, he's a so, super funny guy. Is that thing he does on uh, my own damn channel, uh, uh, Gigi? Yeah, that's really fucking. Yeah, funny. that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Are you a big music fan at all? I am a huge music fan. What do you like? Classic rock. Like uh, what? What's classic rock to you? Because when I was a kid, classic rock was. 20 years prior sure (laughs) but here's here's my argument to that here's my argument to that and i realize it's a losing argument but i'll (laughs) i'll run with it anyway i like to think of classic rock as an era specific to uh, like when someone says doo-wop like you know what they mean Mm -hmm. and i think classic rock is like 19 say 66 to maybe 1982 at the latest hmm Interesting. I think that's the classic rock era because okay. you've got the Beatles putting their best stuff out, the Stones putting their best stuff out, Zeppelin, The Who, mm-hmm. uh, Cream. You have all the seminal Brit rock bands putting out their edgiest, most you know, hardest stuff in that era, and I think that defined the sound. I I, I see where you're going with it, and I'll counter with this story. By I have a means. girlfriend. Uh, I've had several. Uh, one I married. <laughs> 
uh, this one in particular was in Los Angeles, and we were driving in a car, and uh, Disco Saturday Nights was on mm-hmm. in L.A. And I remember I had to turn this shit off before I kill us both. Yeah. And she went, she got really upset. I went, I thought you said you like music of the 70s. And I went, yeah, Stooges, Ramones, Bowie, Clash. Like, what are you talking about? You know, what was it like on One Life to Live? How old were you when you did that? <laughs> Somebody's got IMDb. That's right. You were, I still watch General Hospital. Boom, oh. flipped it. <laughs> I was uh, 14 or 15. That's great. That was how long first, were you on it for? I was on one episode. Oh, my God. Uh, the, here's how I got that gig. Um, I got the call, I think, that morning that I had the audition, that afternoon, and they were specifically looking for kids who could juggle. Wow. And uh, and I, I had taught myself how to juggle the previous year. And not well. And uh, and so I show up to this audition, and it's me and two other young kids. And uh, I did not bring anything to juggle. You know, I didn't think <laughs> Yeah, you that just assumed they'd have stuff there. Yeah. So I show up at this, at this audition, at, you know, this, the casting director's offices or what have you. And, uh, and then this one of the other kids who had shown up brought two limes. And apparently he had a third one, but he said he dropped it on the subway. Side story, what a 13-year-old is doing riding the subway alone, I don't know. But <laughs> he, a different time. I guess so. Uh, so, uh, so then I get called in to, to, to go first for whatever reason. And then the casting director was like, oh, honey, c- can we borrow your limes? And I felt really bad because I was like, no, I shouldn't get the benefit of his having brought limes because I didn't bring anything. But I guess I'm going to juggle with his limes. Well, yeah. And at that point, you couldn't say like, no. Yeah, I didn't ask. She asked him. So he was like, oh, yeah, sure. And so he hands the limes. And then we get into her office. And then she's looking around her office for a third thing to juggle. Now, I can tell you as a as a now experienced juggler, juggling Items of varying weight yeah, is not easy. No, so and hard. as a beginner juggler, that's really, really hard. And this, I swear to God, this is what she picks up: a round glass paperweight. Awesome. <laughs> oh, off of her desk my God. to be juggled along with these two <laughs> relatively light limes. And so I start juggling these things, and I juggle for like twenty seconds. No, I'm. It's probably it was probably six seconds. Yeah. Uh, in, in reality. And I remember like struggling so hard, like, okay, the thing's coming down, you know, the heavy goddamn <laughs> oh thing. And I, I juggle for like just a few seconds and I, just, I like put it all down in her ass. I was like, ha ha, done. She was like, that was great. Thank you. And then, uh, and then I go outside and then she goes to call the second kid in. And then I felt so bad. The kid's sitting there with his mother and the kid's got tears in his face. And she's like, what's wrong, sweetie? He goes, I don't know how to juggle. Obviously, his agents just lied, straight up oh. lied, when they were like, we, oh, we have to see kids who can juggle, and the kid just could not do it. And so she was like, that's okay, honey, we'll call you in for something else. And then the kid who brought the stuff goes in, and I was, I was waiting for the elevator, and he gets into the room, and six seconds later, all I hear is, thud, <laughs> which I know is the paperweight hitting the floor. And oh so then I was like, God. I think I'm going to get this job. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't believe she did that. Yep. Wow. And you're still juggling. Yes. 
Wow, that's great. How Just as you, a hobby. How yeah, do you teach still. yourself to do that? Because I feel like I try for four seconds. I'm like, this is impossible. I mean, the, the I the, the klutz, you remember with a K? Yeah. They had a book called, like, Learn How to Juggle. And it came with these three little bean bags, which I still have. I still used to juggle. And uh, I was really sick. I had, like, a walking pneumonia or something when I was 12. You had that once. And uh, yeah. it was it was awful. And I was just, I felt like crap most of the day. But when I was feeling up to it, I would I got this book as a gift. And so I kind of read the book and like learned the basics. And then I would just stand over my bed and just practice juggling for hours and hours and hours. See, it's the commitment. Wow. I, never do it. I tried it myself and someone said, after you'll get it. It's after um, first you get like four passes. That mm-hmm. you'll get. Then you'll get like eight. Then after 12, you're fine. But and juggling I- is like riding a bike. Once you learn it, you've got it. You won't have to go back and relearn it. Did you see that Boardwalk Empire with... Um, I don't watch the program. Oh, it's a good show. I will. I mean to. It's. I literally... This is not a joke. I have 33 episodes of Boardwalk Empire on my DVR. 33. It's a commitment. I, when, we were at this um, thing last week, and there was a guy from... Um, this is a dumb story. I don't know why I started telling <laughs> you. Started. There was a guy from Too Boardwalk late. Empire who was there, and but I knew him from when he had a guest role on Will and Grace. And so I almost went up to oh, him. Oh, Bobby was, Cannavale? Probably. Yeah, yeah, really tall. He was like, he played like Will's boyfriend. boyfriend. Yeah. So I almost went up to him and was like, you were so great on Will and Grace because I thought he was really great on Will and Grace, but I don't watch Boardwalk Empire. And I was like, do you, th-? and I said to my friend, like, do you think it's okay if I tell him like he was so good on Will and Grace? And she was like, do not tell him that. She was like, he's a star of Boardwalk Empire. He's also it will be Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross with Pacino right now. Well. He's also in a really great movie called The Station Agent. Yeah, with uh, Peter Dinklage Dinklage and uh, uh, Patty Clarkson. Like, like I know her, Patty. (laughs) You know, like your friend. I feel like we're all confirming that your friend was right. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes me (laughs) feel even better about not going up to him and saying that because I was like, I was like so ready to do it. I was like, he's probably probably no one tells him that. And he's like (laughs) such a huge. Um, so really, sorry. classic rock. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt that. By no, the way. no, not at all. But not so, at all. Do you, do you find like the punk bands since they pre eighty two? Do you, they fall into the wheelhouse of classic rock? Too? Some. I agree. Yeah, I think it's a good point to make. Huh. I'm a big Stooges fan, and uh, you know certain Bowie stuff. I'm very specific mm-hmm. about him. But I found that when I was in high school, a lot of the um, non freaks or geeks would listen to Zeppelin or Pink Floyd or stuff, and mm-hmm. they turned out to be more jockey and rude yeah and and for and for a long time i just associated that with them and so i could never ever get into it and the guys i started hanging out with at first it was all glam metal that changed very quickly when yes, i heard did. when i turned minor when i listened to minor threat then i was like okay that's, <laughs> that's kind of where i think i belong yeah. we'll stay over here we'll leave bon jovi who is great i've seen them many yeah, times yeah. i enjoy them a lot but the classic rock i was associated with just big mean football players no yeah way. Um, I, I don't have that same association no, uh, with it. Different. No, I, I, Zeppelin is my favorite band. I realize it's an easy thing to say, but I'm sorry. They're fucking amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like they never wrote a bad song. And they referenced, um, Lord of the, the Rings, Rings quite frequently. You know, what's interesting is uh, about classic rock is I don't know if kids still listen because me and Vanessa have a cousin who's in college now. Yeah. And I was like, do you guys, I feel like those are rite of passage. Like in college, listen to Zeppelin and the Beatles yeah. and stuff. I was like, what do you listen to? He's like, Skrillex and electronic music. And I'm like, do, do people listen to Zeppelin and that stuff? And he's like... No, they listen to Pearl Jam and the Foo Fighters. That's what they I, I don't even think that they listen no, to I that. No, I don't think they listen to I that either. That, like, or at least him and his friends, which, I mean, I think they're the only college kids I know because I'm 
33, but uh, they were like listening to Sk- Steve Aoki, Skrillex, which is fine, but like I was like, when you're out, he's like, right. no, all the time. The problem uh, is, it's one of those things where there'll never be less music than there was the year before right. for them to be exposed to. Right. And, you know, with that generational gap now, they've got like 15, 20 years of extra music to catch up on before they can work their way back to Zeppelin and Floyd and all that. Yes. And 700 million other mediums of distraction. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And genres and... Like, I feel like like the football player type guys when we were in high school, which weren't necessarily the coolest guys because we had a pretty, like... Jewish high school, so it was like not really like. I mean, I, you go to yeshiva. What happened? Here? <laughs> like Fifty percent, you know. Okay. But 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 um. But I feel like they listened to like the most popular music. I think it was whatever like, big band was in yeah. town. Like, like I remember Jam, so many guys had those them. t-shirts that said "Goo" from Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember when American Gladiators came to town. Everyone had those shirts. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Ice. Yes. Um, what was that that other Laser. band? Um, you know, all those bands that were like... No, Weezer? No, Weezer I love. <laughs> but, you know, like those ones that are, were like... Um, who are you waving to? Brad had to leave, but uh, he, since he runs the joint, he has access to the cameras. Oh, so yeah. he just texted me. He just said, I'm always Where watching. Where is the camera? Oh, yeah. That's it. No, I didn't yeah. notice that. That's so funny. Oh, I noticed it. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. away. I, I demand to be paid when I'm on camera. This is, you know. Crap! Cut the this feed! Is, this, is, this is what I do for a living, guys. Come on. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a union. Oh, man. Well, now, thank you so much for coming by. Oh, dude, we're so psyched it you is. came by. Oh, my absolute pleasure. This was awesome. No, please. This did not this feel like a podcast. So I feel like hanging out and having a conversation. Yay, the point. Yes, that is the best mm. compliment you could give us. Uh, Sam Levine, probably we've had most everybody who's come on has been super nice, but man, that dude afterwards went. You guys need a ride anywhere? One, yeah. most people don't drive here. <laughs> Usually, it's kind of a subway culture. But he's like, I'll give you a ride. It was just so nice. None of us took him up on it. Maybe we should have because we all just. I got a ride from our last guest, but oh, that's not right. from Sam. But yeah, Sam, awesome. Such such a, a dream to have him on here that was uh, that was unexpected his his wonderful pr person i met at uh, new york comic-con and she was like you have to have sam on and lo and behold he was here uh, his new show is called do no harm it is on nbc thursday nights at 10 o'clock as he said in that coveted er spot so right oh, that's on. a good one if you dig us go ahead and click onto our facebook page facebook dot com slash going off track we don't have comments on our website because who has time really seriously uh but on our website is a little button you can click with your mouse and or finger depending on your computer system that says donate if you like what you are hearing go ahead and send some money our way we will put it to good use and by good use i mean well the coffee's free so i guess we're just going to keep it (laughs) anyway we'll see you guys next week and by see i mean you hear us Hold up. 
hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.